And you get back from class and there's a note on the door, come see the resident hall director. I'm like, okay, great. Maybe uh, he wants some beer from me. Cause you know, he says, Hey, we got a problem. I said, what's the problem? He goes, there's beer flowing in the ladies dorm room down below you. I said, well, that's not good. I overcarbonated the bottles. They blew their heads off and it just kind of flushed it way down there. And <laughs> Welcome to operational hacks where serial businessman, innovative restaurateur, Tech Hack, and my longtime friend Dave Dittenberg. And my friend, tech strategist, restaurant hack, Sam Short, and I plumb the depths of the restaurant world to find people who are absolutely not hacks to tackle issues that are currently affecting the restaurant world. So, anyhow, hey, everybody, uh, thank you and welcome back to Operational Hacks. Um, we're here with former mayor of Mount Pleasant. Uh, former MRLA board chairman, uh, owner of Mountain Town Station, Mountain Town Brewing, St. John's Brewing, Greensboro, Camille's. It's, uh, you've got a lot of titles. I feel like you just throw a couple letters at the end and, and do a lot of stuff. But Jim Holton, um, our good friend and, um, and uh, uh, longtime operator, uh, to talk about a number of things. Jim, how are you doing today? Living the dream. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Good, good. <laughs> so we've known Jen a lot of years. So uh, uh, we, we're hoping that we'll stay semi on track and not take left turns. But to be honest, the best part about you is is in conversation is those left turns is is getting into um, some of the nitty gritty and, and kind of applying the the depths of your mind and uh, and your knowledge. You're a, a tech wonk. Um, uh, uh, which is awesome. But I'm going to kind of hand it over to Dave here to get us started uh, and, and, and hit you with a real doozy of a question. Okay. Shoot away. Well, be, well, be, well before I start with a question, I have to say that uh, he, Jim is actually a mentor of mine and somebody that I have a ton of respect for, um, but also someone who I hope to be like a, the, the soon-to-be governor someday, too. I always like to throw Ooh. that in there. But yes. no, no, come on. Come yes. on. Hey. Come on. It, it my, is, uh, but it's absolutely life is over. <laughs> I, it's absolutely a pleasure to have you here, Jim. And uh, one of the things that uh, that I always like to, you know, when we talk, one of the first stories that we ever heard of was uh, was you getting into the brewery business. Mm-hmm. And you know, there was a rumor that there was a flood of beer in a dorm room. And if you could just speak to that a little bit, it's one of my it's one of my favorite stories. You recollect? Yeah, that. I really I can't confirm nor deny that. However. <laughs> Uh, the rumor goes as such that I was uh, I was intrigued by beer that was different than what I was drinking back in the day. Uh, that was light, um, colorless, tasteless. You just drank to drink from there. And a buddy of mine brought over a beer and it had darkness to it. I'm like, this is different. There's dark beer out there other than, you know, what I was drinking. And he says, yeah, my buddy made this beer. I'm like, well, heck, if he can make it, I can make it. Now, I couldn't buy beer because I was under 21, but I can make beer as a craftsperson. So uh, <laughs> I got all the supplies and I made some beer. And it's a little different than how I brew beer today in the, in the sense that you carbonate in the bottles themselves. So in your dorm room, you have your cases of flip top bottles and you stick them in your closet and you go to class. And you get back from class and there's a note on the door, come see the resident hall director. I'm like, okay, great. Maybe he wants some beer from me. Cause you know, he says, Hey, we got a problem. I said, what's the problem? He goes, there's beer flowing in the ladies dorm room down below you. 
I said, well, that's not good. I overcarbonated the bottles. They blew their heads off and it just kind of flushed it way down there. And <laughs> I said, so I have a problem because I won't get a supply of beer from you anymore. And you can't brew beer any longer in the dorm rooms themselves. Uh, it was a pretty good compromise. And soon after that, I moved into an apartment outside of the CMU <laughs> campus and, and continued my craft that way. So that's how it started. I love that story. And, uh, and first of all, it was probably the bigger problem was the fact that the RA could no longer get beer versus you flooded. Yeah, the beer. Yeah. <laughs> he was very upset at that. Yeah. He was really dude. He goes, what the hell happened? I, said, I don't know. Quantum physics got in the way. I had to go to class. <laughs> you know? We had a good thing going here. Come on, man. And Jim on the restaurant side. I mean, we bet we met back in when I got started at old city hall, 1997, 1998. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've come a long way since then, um, just opened some new uh, concepts, frankly, right in the middle of, you know, the pandemic, yeah. which uh, I, I think is just amazing. Can, can you talk a little bit just about the history in the restaurant, some of the things that you've seen, and then, you know, just kind of how difficult it was to open, you know, during the pandemic with everything that was going on? Yeah, it was different. These were already in the pipe already to, to move forward on these the, the St. John's Brewing Project uh, down in, in St. John's, Michigan. And of course, I, I basically broke ground and started that project in late January, just before the closing. So all of a sudden you have a shutdown and I'm already committed, you know, from the bank, least part of this part of this thing. And I'm like, what do I do? I got to keep going forward. Mm-hmm. This thing will end. It'll probably end in a couple of years. You know, that was my estimation. And so we slowly moved forward and we didn't open up, obviously, as soon as we wanted because everything was shut down. But we did open up when you can have carryout. So I said, what a cool thing to do. I can exercise my point of sale system and my kitchen staff mm. without worrying about the customers coming in, the, the, you know, in the smaller dining room. So carryout, we just we hammered that out. That's how we got our name out. That's how the kitchen got working. Mm-hmm. Then it opened up where you can do 50 percent. And so then we had 50% of our customers come in. It was a, it was an automatic soft opening for us to open up that project down there. And it worked out perfect. And then we went to full and then it just, I mean, it was very, very seamless to do that. And it worked out great. So it really focused on, on from the guests. Cause when I opened up, I really wasn't thinking about carry out, but that's what we started off with. And now we're known for that too, as well. So carry out, we have a spot where you walk up to the bar It is sectioned off. That's the carry out spot. We have the online ordering available so they can order online and print the ticket to the kitchen. Yeah. Those type of things. You know, when that that meal is done, they hit that bump screen. It texts that guest. Hey, your order is ready for pickup. So they walk across the street if they're at a store across the street, pick up their items. So that, that really helped this business launch much more efficiently and in a different way than I would normally was going to do that. Yeah. In yeah. follow up to that, how much of that takeout business have you been able to retain uh, because similarly in my, in our businesses, we were 5% carry out. Yeah. I think we, last month we were just shy at 25%, which has been, is allowed us to continue to grow in areas that frankly, you know, I think is the big opportunity for the industry post pandemic. So how much of that were you able to retain? Yeah. So we're around 15 to 20% still down in St. John's and, and we're continuing with that because they're used to the ease of ordering. They have their orders already in the system as a saved item. Yeah. And so we're seeing those repeat customers come in. I think that's going to decline a little bit now that we're we're really getting over this and moving forward that people are, are sick of eating out of styrofoam boxes 
and yeah. actually want to come in and socialize. So, and I'm happy about that because styrofoam boxes are also still hard to come by. So, now, I mean, there's yeah. times that we didn't have to go container. So just wrap it in tin foil. And we just, we're trying to make up containers that were food friendly. <laughs> so people can take it out, you know, bring your own containers. They're bringing Tupperware and we're putting their Tupperware container. And then, you know, what? A, a it is a, the a green order. Yeah. It's a green initiative. Yeah. The funniest very, very green. Saw, very green. Yeah. So, yeah the the funniest fun. one I saw was the customer brought their own containers in and we put it in a beer box to go. Like it was, yeah. like, this is, <laughs> but, you know, it was amazing how resourceful things got yeah. when, when times were tough. So that, was, that's, that's good stuff. Well, it's nice to be, it's nice to be back in restaurants again. Right. I mean, yeah. it's like there was a time when, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like drinking a beer at home too, but I really yeah. like, going out and have somebody making me a cocktail, you know? We're social by nature. We yeah. need to be out. I yes. want to get back to that normal. And yeah. when we went back to that normal right after, people thought the restaurants were back to normal and we weren't. No. We, we didn't have the labor. We didn't have the food supplies and things like that. Well, what do you mean I have to wait? I see open tables over there. Yes, I have no wait staff for you to wait on that. I said, <laughs> I'll sit you there, but then you're going to be pissed because you're going to wait 15 minutes exactly. before you get greeted. So we're taking tables physically out of the restaurant and hiding them so customers couldn't see them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. we had to change our, they thought everything was normal again and it wasn't. And it's still not back to normal. No, agreed. Not, not, not there yet. We're an 80, I don't know, I'd give it an 80, 85 yeah. percent of the way back from a staffing and normal. Depends operation. on the week. So yeah, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. There's still like weeks where I'm, I get a call about supply chain and they're like, uh, I'm like, well, that a shrimp accounts for, you know, at our Creole joint shrimp accounts for 20% of the items on the menu. We don't, we can't get shrimp. Yeah. Drive to Toledo. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> would you like to be a wing place? You know, trying oh, to get at the time. It's like, boy, that that's a concept. Horror that stories I've heard there, right? Yeah. It was crazy yeah. on the wing side. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings now Buffalo Rib Tips. That's rib, rib tips and thighs. Yes, <laughs> you knew you were in trouble, but they yeah. adapted. You know, they had to do what they yeah, had to do. Quickly. They still tall beers, and so that worked. You got it. You that got worked. it exactly right. Everybody did that. Well, you know, speaking of being quick to adopt and quick to adapt, um, it, obviously you are on the business side. Uh, you're also on the text. I remember a couple of years ago you talking about your son and you like coding. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you're you're a data like wonk like you're into uh, the debt no nah. oh don't play yourself off. i don't know about that i'm getting old <laughs> i'm an old horse uh, that's the, okay that's a lot of baloney so you have like <laughs> 700 different camera types like if, if we need when we need new technology at byod we're like okay what's the best ip based camera come on Jim, yeah. let, us, let us know tell, tell us are you a, would you say you're an early adopter of tech in restaurants yeah yeah you're very much so you know and when i started 26 years ago tech in the restaurants was really not there. And so what was tech? Wow. Okay. So I had a monochrome computer screen, you know, to order stuff and a printer that serial printer that worked in the kitchen yeah. that worked out good. You know, I mean, that was, I didn't want to hand write tabs, you know, and then get them in the kitchen. You can't read those type of things. So uh, we had a system called ProHost because uh, my restaurant, my main concept restaurant, Mountain Town was so large. The dining room was so far South hostess station North that when a buster would clear a table, they had an actual keypad. They'd punch in the number and it'd clear it on the screen at the hostess station so they could seat that table. And my efficiency was, I want that table being wiped down while that guest is just about to get sat down. Yes. How yeah. fast can you turn, turn and burn yep. from there? So yep. it was a great system. Unfortunately, the company didn't stay in business, but it was wonderful. From that to the headsets, you know, the ear headsets there to, to talk back and forth from kitchen. 
to host staff to the managers on the floor itself. Then moving to color screens, that was big, 2003. Wow, ELO touch screens that were color. Boy, this is going to really make me a lot of money. Yeah. Not really, but it was more efficient. More, <laughs> you know, it was Windows based. I was actually moving away from serial based to Ethernet based mm-hmm. um, computers from there. Uh, so, yeah, it was a slow adaption. You know, I remember putting a big CRT monitor in the kitchen right on top of the expo station. Yeah. So the expediter could actually see if there was still a wait going on, see what tables yeah. were full, what was pending on waiting, how long the times yeah. were on the tables for the turn. Yeah. Those type of things, you know, and here's this bulky CRT screen sitting up there, you know. <laughs> but it's better now, than, than them having to run out and go yep. to the manager and go, hey, how many menus do we have open on the table? Yes. Hey, how many? Exactly you know, right. Yeah. The usual, right. You stay menus. there. You're not allowed in the front of the house. You know, yeah. you stay with your animals back there. I'll stay with my animals up front. <laughs> you know, we'll we'll figure it out from there. Don't walk right. through those doors type of thing, you know. Right, right. Uh, so that was fun. So yeah, a lot of innovation things. And now it's really starting to explode, obviously, yeah. you know, with your group and Dave's group here working together to bring that automation to fruition, which I think we're at that cusp because, you know, the mother of invention, you know, necessity. Yeah. And we need that right now because of our labor pool that's out there. And so we yeah. need to be more efficient. We need to do it with less labor because yep. the costs are getting so high. And yep. if we still want to provide an affordable meal to our guests, this is what we have to do. Yeah. Period. Because because there's, I mean, what's your what what what's been your increase? I think we're at a now at a thirteen percent increase at, at my joints in cost yep. of, in my co- my cost of goods yep. in, in purchase over year over year, and that's over twenty twenty. Yes, right? that was just yeah. Once that's a small yeah. time period. We we were eleven percent twenty nineteen to twenty twenty. We're thirteen twenty to twenty one. I don't know what we're going to be in twenty twenty two, but those you know at that point plus you've got increased wages. I mean, mm-hmm. you know I. I, I don't know about you, but but we're you know I'm hiring like 16 year olds in the dish tank mm-hmm. on their very first job, right, and paying them at a rate that the 16 year old in the very first job should pay that. And it's not you know the the fair wage thing. Hey, if somebody's 30 and they've got experience, all these things, I want to make sure they get paid. Absolutely, it's for them, they're doing those things. But but um, but I it's. It's an odd place we're in and having technology surround and help us is important. Mm-hmm. What is there a particular, I mean, separate of BYOD, right? But is there a particular program out there that you've seen recently that, that really sparked your interest or, or maybe something with your P, what POS are you using? Yeah, unfortunately I have several because of concepts have gone through. Uh, digital dining was my main concept, uh, uh, my main POS. Uh, I've been using Heartland Restaurant lately hmm. through the iPads. Um, I really like it. It's It's not the least expensive one out there, but boy, it delivers everything that I'd like in a point of sale. And it's, it's an iPad. It's perfect. You know, I'm not worrying about servers and upgrades and patches. It's all done web-based from there. And that's obviously the future uh, from there. And then my green spot pub is the old micros workhorse. It's a workhorse. And of course I had a dream last night. I upgraded the system and it went back to eight bit graphics and I couldn't <laughs> St. Patrick's day went to hell. And that was because I'm worried about St. Patrick's day. It's my first yeah. one there at the green spot, you know, the, the number one pub in Mount Pleasant. So, yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, you know, when green spot's been around a long time, right? I mean, it's 78 a, years. For, um, that's great. That's prohibition era. Is that, mm-hmm. is that first joint in Mount Pleasant? Is that the, no, it's not the first liquor license in Mount Pleasant. There's a couple okay. of downtown ones, but this was in the middle of nowhere on dirt roads. And now it's on a major busy corner Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, where they used to live in the back half of the bar and the bar was in the front. So you had the residents in the back. There's two yeah. fireplaces. One was in the house. One was in the, in the bar. And that's what he did the place. And they're still active today. Granted, they're not wood cool. fireplaces any longer. They're gas, but that's what sure. we have. 
Yeah, that's uh, awesome. from there. So, you know, like you said, technology has to be the future in our business. And it and not only has to be in the front of the house and how we operate, but it also has to be in the back of the house. And that's going to be the most challenging in my eyes that I see is how can you, you still need those people in the back cooking. Well, how can you do it better, more efficient back there? Like I told Ecolab, I would, I would spend a half a million dollars on an automated dish washing system that I can scale it down to one person instead of having two or three back there. Yeah. yeah. You know, figure it out. You know, there's things that have to be better. And they said, okay, do disposable and that'll take care of it. So well, well, you know, that some of the things that we've seen, and, you know, we've been at some conferences here. Um, and, and again, one of the other things that always, you know, is kind of burnt in my brain that you said is talking about hospitality, right. And just how we mm-hmm. have to be hospitable to our guests. And it's not, you know, it's not just about food service. And so when you look at some of the technology, like automation, which is very cool, very bleeding edge, it's very difficult to see how that can be implemented and still keep that hospitable experience, right? Mm-hmm. And so what are what are your thoughts to some of the, you know, we'll call it front of the house automations, robots, robots and mm-hmm. trays and things like that? Because it, you know, just, just wanted to get your take on it. Yeah. You know, there's the difference between hospitality and food service. The military does a great job with food service, but they might not be hospitable. When that guest comes through the door, it's got to be everything from the look of the building the restaurant itself, temperature, seat feel, you know, the music that's going on, that guest, they want to be served when they come in. So in my restaurants, which are all sit down, the waiter or waitress comes to the table, that's the hospital, that's the hospitality part that we still have to retain. So, you know, can a guest sit there and order their meal from an iPad or a touchscreen? Yeah, they could do that. Is that giving them the hospitality that I want to give in my concept? Probably not. But if they eliminate that tip credit and now we have to pay 15 to $20 an hour for wait staff, that may have to change. Yeah. You know, again, if we want to still give an affordable meal to our guest, we have to weigh those consequences of that guest yeah. or a guest that doesn't want to touch technology that they're coming out to talk to their family. You know, they want to get their kids off their devices off yeah, the site right. so they can actually go back to that family meal like right. they used to have at home years ago, but they're actually having it at a restaurant or my place from there. The other burdensome part of it that I'm concerned about, can we get so automated in the front of the house or back of the house that managers don't manage enough, that they're overwhelmed with so much information? Mm -hmm. You know, my my point of sale has, I use probably 20% of what it actually is capable of doing because I have no time to punch in data off the side and invoices and and try to get where I need to be uh, to make it worthwhile for me. I'm using it time clock, order entry. Yeah, Time clock right. I mean, that's what it is, you know, maybe a product mix report or something here or there, but you're, yeah. you're pretty limited. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yeah. It, you know, we talk about, we talk about the, the word efficiency and it gets used in so many different ways. And, and a lot of times efficiency really means elimination mm-hmm. instead uh, and, and just elimination, right. Without supplemental pieces yes. instead of we're making the process smoother. We're making the process easier. We're not getting rid of something, right? Yes. We're, we're smoothing out the bumps that exist. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like, you know, you talked about managers not managing. That's, I mean, yeah. every, every operator, everywhere, certainly in the United States, I'm guessing everywhere in the world has that concern. Once you go from a single restaurant and you're in it and mm-hmm. you're in it all the time too, I have multiple restaurants, I have multiple managers mm-hmm. Now working for me, that concern of are they going to be able? Are, are they going to have the tools to do their job? Number one, are they going to yes. 
understand those tools and be able to effectively use them, right? And are they going to and and are and are the distractions and all these other things that go on, uh, or are they going to have too many tools, right? Are going to get yeah, fifteen exactly. Everybody's seen those pictures of like you know, 15 different iPads up on the expo. Cause you got one for DoorDash and one for Uber yep. and one for this and one for that and one for the, you know, whatever. And you're, and I mean, I like, look, when it comes down to it, you can have a master's degree and have difficulty yeah. understanding, extrapolating all this data. Right. Yeah. A lot so, of things coming to you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, there, and, the, and the management's just so inexperienced anyway. Yep. Right. So to add all those different platforms yeah. to me, it's just, and again, I, 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 I love that example of, you know, kind of the hospitable experience to the guest. Yes. Um, and that's really for us, what I really am, am uh, excited about seeing that that in dining room experience coming back, but mm-hmm. holding on to some of those cool technology upgrades yes. that, sure. that are good yeah. for both the customer mm-hmm. and for the place, right? I think that's the balance of technology, things that can be implemented yes. and more connectivity between the two. Like that, Let, that's some exciting A great stuff. example, Dave, is pay at the table. Yeah. yeah, you know, where they're scanning the QR code or whatever. That's perfect because a lot of times you're done with your meal, you want to get out. Yep. And that waiter or waitress is buried somewhere else. They're not getting back to that table in that timely fashion. Pay at the table. Thank you very much. Out the door they go. Oh. You know, it was supposed to be touchless through the pandemic, which is great. And that needs to continue. Those type of things yeah. the yep. guest likes and the operator likes. So when you get that together, then you have a winning situation. Yeah, I agree. So Jim, the one the one thing that really was also interesting to me is knowing how big the universe of a university town that you're in mm-hmm. and having to adjust to that through pandemic. I mean, you talked about the rural piece, but then you've got this college environment. Mm-hmm. How how did you adjust from, you know, kind of all these things in in the the CMU type of environment? Was that more difficult or was it uh, equally as difficult, I guess? Yeah. So compare from other college towns, not much was different in our aspect of it. Okay. You know, um, a lot of the students went home because they could do their classes at Zoom from home and they didn't have to be in the apartment or the dorm room because obviously those were were closed at the time. So, you know, the carryout portion of it, the restaurants that I had that were known for the better carryout did successful you know, did very successful with it. But the ones that didn't, like Mountain Town was not known as carryout. Right. And we tried it. It just, it cost us more. It didn't work. You know, we tried it. I mean, remember I did a grocery store. So I I set up a website with products that people could order online. And so I'd get a sheet printed off at the day and I would fill their basket up. They'd come and open their trunk. I'd put it right in their trunk. Yeah. And, you know, selling tomatoes. I know why grocery stores don't make money. You know, yeah. when, I, when I sell a tomato and make three cents off it, well, I'm running around chicken with my head cut off to fill their order. You know, yeah. Yeah. it's all about volume for those guys. But I tried it. I tried the grocery store idea. I did the tent in the parking lot and cooked ribs out in the parking lot when it got warm enough. And yeah. the cars lined up to come through. It was yeah. 20 bucks. You got your full rack potato. Here you go. You know, it, did that yeah. type of stuff. But it wasn't that big of an impact. It was still everything was shut down. No matter if you're a university or not, we just adapted the best we could. Yeah. The biggest thing, we didn't have a lot of sales work were in, in our craft beer. So mm-hmm. I have tanks full of this product in there and it sat there for a year and I ended up dumping it all because wow. when I relaunched and opened up again, I didn't want to have stuff that was a year and a half old. Yeah. It yeah. didn't make sense to me. So, yeah. Well, and I'm sure yeah. from the loyalty point of view, from the community, the people had to be juiced 
mm-hmm. about being able to do those things, you know, adjusting to be a grocery store. I remember yeah. you telling me you were one of the early people supplying sanitizer. You did some of that stuff. Yes, I, I um, you know, and again, yeah. those stories to me, uh, you know, staying open uh, versus totally closing down, mm-hmm. uh, I think are the is the difference now because it's so yeah. hard to ramp back up. Yeah, and even some of those pivots, you know, just to hire a new staff, you know, we're, we've been trying to open a place for since last summer. It's very difficult, mm-hmm. getting a little bit better now, but uh, the other places that stayed open and did some of those similar things of which you had, we had no business doing it. We had no experience. I mean, it was, <laughs> you talk about chicken with our heads, uh, with our heads cut off. I couldn't chase any more igloos down a street anymore. Right. I mean, it was like those things, they're like a big parachute flying yeah. down the street, you know, so, shanty going down the road. Yeah, man. And, and talking about early adopter from a technology point of view, I, I mean, you're, you're always current on menu items yeah. and um, it was really fun to watch you do some of that stuff. And, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it, it's, it's very cool. You know, I'm sure the community found it pretty inspiring too. So it very was cool. different. It's a learning curve. You know, I don't know I would, you know, if it happened again, and I hope it does not, would I do differently yeah. <laughs> that type of thing? So, but we all, we all have those memories and what we would do. Yeah. yeah. But again, we're moving forward now. So, and we just have to survive. It's just the unknown right now, you know? Yeah. yeah. Volumes, people are coming out to eat, but are you making money? And so with your food costs so crazy right now and supply costs, your labor costs so high, is your menu priced right? You yeah. know? I always hate financial statements. Those are the worst things in the world. Hey, you know, the Lions lost last season. Same thing as my financial statement will tell me. I can't change <laughs> the past. You know, it's too late. Yeah. I want to know before my food service provider hits that loading dock that my lasagna is going to be out of its range of food costs because some yeah. of that ingredient is coming in a lot more expensive than it was before. And then yeah. as a manager, I can make that decision. 86 it for a few days, reject that item, find an alternative product for it. Those you type need, of things. Yeah, that's where it need, needs to get to. Intervention in the moment. Yeah, hundred percent. Right? It can't mm-hmm. be. It can't be at a meeting down the road. Well, yes. um, Jim, as always, it's an absolute pleasure talking with you. I feel like we could fill another hour. 10 hours. Let's okay. have Manhattans because that, that, that can, that can get us down the right track. That's usually yeah. where the, that's usually where the, the left sided comments. <laughs> oh, that's, where, that's where it goes left, right? That where it definitely goes there. Um, I just want to shout out again, yep. Mountain Station, Mountain Brewing, St. New St. John's Brewing, Green Spot Pub, 78 years old and, yeah. uh, and Camille's Prime. Um, and, and don't forget the, about Elma Brewing Company too. Oh, and Alma Brewing. The Elma Brewing, Brewing and Summit Smokehouse. There you go. And Summit Smokehouse. Um, is there anywhere people can find you online? Obviously, all of those have, have websites, but. I have, I have nothing online. I don't have websites, no Facebook, no nothing. I'm just, you know, I got just I all got those paper things. menus. Just all those things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyways, everything's online, obviously. Just Google search it. I'm all over the place. So. Perfect. Perfect. I love it. All right. Well, hey, thank you again Thanks, for your time. And, uh, and we'll see you very soon, sir. I can't wait. Always thanks a pleasure. The opportunity. Yeah, right. thanks for thanks for being here, Jim. Appreciate it as always. Operational Hacks is a BYOD production. If you liked what you heard, please rate us and subscribe. For those of you interested in what we're doing at BYOD, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn at BYOD Inc. Or visit us on our website at byod.ai. And remember. of what you heard here will work 100% of the time because we're operational hacks.